The Midwest Film Nerds podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. I'm Willie. I'm Tim. And I'm Alex. Today we've got a lot of stuff for you glorious people to chew on. Um, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching, got a little film news to talk about, got a little feedback, a little bit of everything, and the biggest thing of all, Snowpiercer. We're talking about Snowpiercer, which is um, kind of a been a turbulent production, and we're very <laughs> excited that we actually got to see it. Yes. So uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that as well. Um, before we get into that, got to go through all the fun stuff. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can send feedback to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com or call us at 248-733-5MFN, which is 248-733-5636. Um, you can hit up midwestfilmnerds.com for all past episodes with show notes. You can get a hold of us at Twitter, at MFN Podcast, same with the Instagram. And you can uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Podcast. Um, <laughs> Wow, that's fun. Anyway, um, I would like to send it over to you, Alex. I know that you want to give us updated on this movie wager, which we've yes. been covering over the course of the last couple of months here. Before we even get to that, a little oh, bit of a special announcement. Special announcement. Um, I, you guys may have noticed that Willie has been doing a fantastic job hosting the past <laughs> couple of weeks. Mediocre to be. This is why we get all the feedback and we have a lot more listeners. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure. But it has I, nothing to do with that cast of Kings thing. No, 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 no. no. Um, I will be in Japan on business for three weeks, so I will not be on the show, but I leave it in the hands of the very capable and fantastic crew back here in the Midwest. Uh, because of the kind of shuffle up, we need another audio engineer in the house in the form of my brother and, uh, some scheduling stuff may go awry. I don't know how it's all going to go down. Hopefully you guys you, you guys are going to be able to get an episode out, but uh, it may not necessarily be on Wednesday, especially for the first week off, but hopefully for the other two it'll be just fine. Next week I think we're planning on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which I'm very disappointed that I'll be missing. Uh, the week after that might be some kind of retro or something because nobody cares about The Purge or uh, Sex Tape. And then uh, the week after that is, of course, Hercules, which I think Tim should just do a solo episode where he just talks about The Rock the whole time. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Sounds I like good. that. <laughs> and then hopefully I will be back for Guardians of the Galaxy. I will be seeing it that weekend unless my sleep schedule is terrible, which is also very likely. But we'll find out. We'll see. Basically, we're going to try our hardest to... to uh secure the future of the podcast well <laughs> to weather Alex the storm gone. yes to weather the storm so, because he's he's a very very uh the, he's the most important piece of our show so we will miss him dearly i don't know about in that Japan. no you know, he thank is. you thank you for the bring us back some booze i'll see what i can yeah i want some like snake venoms <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, like stuff yeah. that i can't get here <laughs> and then like you guys have to make a special announcement like a couple weeks from now that i'm dead <laughs> yeah. it'll be great no uh it'll be fine but we're excited for you. I wish you guys the best of luck. I know you don't really need any luck. Uh, I hope you enjoy the movie films that you see, and I hope that uh, Planet of the Apes is awesome, because I really want to see it myself. And, and we'll keep uh, our listeners updated on you, how you're doing. Good. We'll make sure good. that we, we we keep them in the loop, you know? They know If you're exactly out there fighting the Yakuza, many, yeah. you know, they'll know. <laughs> Uh, out, out there cleaning up the latest nuclear meltdown with the Yakuza members. Oh my god, if you reenact Black Rain with Michael Douglas... <laughs> As Michael Douglas's character, while you're over there, man, I I will sleep with you. We'll, we'll see what happens. Don't make promises you can't keep, Willie. Really. Well, hey, you haven't been Michael Douglas yet, okay? So, 
All right. Anyway, on to the summer movie wager. Um, we're gonna play a little game called "Where's Transformers Now." We need a little like. Doo, 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 doo. Where is Transformers? I like that because on the summer movie wager. I like the title because in the first Transformers, Optimus can just hide anywhere, even though he's a giant robot and nobody hears him. That's true. Where is where he is can Optimus? Stumble then? around the house and make like earthquake level. They're sneaking up on people, which yeah. is really funny. Stealth Transformers. So it was uh, it was number six last week. Um, uh, Tim, where do you think Transformers is this week? Number two. All right, Willie, where do you think Transformers is this oh, week? Oh, Lord. Four? All right, let's find out who's correct. Uh, this weekend, Transformers won. It was a very, very weak, uh, I spelled weak wrong in the show notes, but weak holiday weekend. Uh, with uh, Transformers got $37 million, which is low for 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed by Tammy, which made $21.6 million somehow. And then 22 Jump Street made $9.8 million. Um, all right, number one, X Men: Days of Future Past, seven hundred and twenty-five point zero. Finally, dollars. finally destroyed Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. La- last week it destroyed Spider-Man, and now it's cementing itself at the top here. Nice. Number two, Spider-Man. How about that? How about that suspense? Just do it's it. The Amazing Spider-Man two oh, with seven hundred and four point seven million dollars. I already saw number three. Number three, we've got Maleficent, which is fast approaching Spider-Man yeah, at six hundred and thirty-one point two million dollars. And then finally. Number four, Transformers mm, Age nailed of Extinction. Nailed it. I Congrats. swear I didn't you, look at this. You won, but you also lost because you saw it and I did not. <laughs> Fair point. I'm so uh, mad at you right now. It has $592.2 million. There is little to, to no question that it will break the billion dollar that's, mark. That's two weeks. Two weeks worth of, of that movie being out. Mm-hmm. Kids love it. Number five is Godzilla 2014 with $489.5 million. As of tomorrow's at number six with $340 million. How to Train Your Dragon 2 is number seven with $294.3 million. Uh, number eight is Neighbors with $247.8 million. 22 Jump Street has $230.5 million. And number 10 is The Fault in Our Stars with $220.2 million. Snowpiercer very far behind with $81.7 million, But it's still being beaten by Blended. Well, hmm. You know, I mean... It's pretty good. It's pretty good for what it is. It is what it is. a limited release. It is what it is. Out next week is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, as I have already said. And uh, we're excited. Yes. Very excited. Matt Reeves, directed. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you, Alex. You're welcome. We, uh, like I said, bon voyage. uh, Yes. And we will see you when you get back. I'll be back. Yes. I'll be back. But we got him for the rest of this episode, so let's let's just make the most of it. All right, let's get into what we've been watching. Tim, what have you been watching? I've been watching um, The X-Files. I watched a couple episodes of The X-Files. I had watched... This is another show. This happens to me a lot. I watched a bunch of it when it was airing, but never sat down and watched it start to finish. Yeah. So I've... um, Oh, I'm going to butcher his name. The Comedian. Um he does a podcast called Camille Nanjiani. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Whoa. I was just I was just gonna say that the X Files files. Yeah, and it's really funny, and he's a huge like he's a huge nerd of the X Files, <laughs> and it's really good. And um, I started listening to that and just kind of watching along. I'll, it'll probably take about two or three years. <laughs> that tends to be yeah. my pace at this point. So it's, there's like ten seasons, aren't there? Yes, but I think he's going through and just kind of picking out the, the big standouts. episodes. Okay. Oh, okay. The thing with the X-Files, and I remember it from when it was airing, is the Monster of the Week type episodes are the best part. 
And then once it starts to get into, like, the overarching story of Mulder's sister, it gets really stupid and frustrating. <laughs> and so you just kind of, like, by season seven, six or seven, I just remember people going, this is so, like, just go back to the monster stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that that's what you're best at. But, um, yeah, so I've been watching that, and it's um, it's fun. I, it's got one of my favorite character traits, and I don't know if you could get away with this on network TV, but Mulder is, like, addicted to porn in it. David Duchovny's character is like addicted, like he's just a fan of porn in it, and I don't think you can get away with that on a network TV show anymore. Really, I don't think so. No, and I just think that's such a cool character trait. That's funny because he he basically does it in the show as just kind of a release from his job. Like he's so into his job, but yeah. like he doesn't want to have sex with anybody. He's like, I'm watching porn. He's just like, I'm gonna do my business huh. with the porn. <laughs> so yeah, I've been watching the X Files. Um, I'm really happy that you're checking out that podcast because if I gave half of a crap about the X Files, yeah. then I would probably do it too. I think uh, the only reason I might, I haven't listened much into it. The first episode features some later spoilers, kind okay. of, okay. if you pay too much attention to it. But I don't know. It's funny enough. It's the X Files. It's been on forever, so yeah. it'll probably leave your brain by the time you get to it and get to those episodes anyway. Um, book. I wonder. I've been reading. I want to tie it into a movie. James Gunn wrote a novel in like 2000 Mm. called the toy collector and i'm just about finished with that and it's a really it's a book about a guy who works for a hospital and he steals and sells pharmaceuticals to um to like feed his toy habit his toy buying habit he's like a (laughs) yeah it's a very dark funny book i don't i don't know if it's great but it's definitely if if you like James Gunn, who did Slither and Super, and he wrote the specials, and Tromeo and Juliet, I think, are his main things. Yeah. If you like his kind of brand of humor... And the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy. And Guardians of the Galaxy. That's why I brought it up. Thank you, Alex. I forgot about that one. <laughs> but, uh, and that was kind of the reason I started reading it, too. Is uh, But if you like that kind of humor, um, this is a interesting book, I think, to check Very out. Very cool. So, well, a book club. Are you also going to watch Millennium, then? Oh, the X Files Millennium the, the spinoff. Yeah, I never watched Millennium. I heard it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I might. Chris Carter, I think he has a show on Amazon right now, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So. What about the Lone Gunman? Are you going to find that one episode of that the show Lone Gunman? or whatever I think it I, is? Yeah, watch that. Probably. Yeah, I think I may have seen. Oh, that. it was a tie-in episode. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. They were. Gonna, I think they were going to spin it off. Yeah. Oh, geez, wow. And then yeah. it failed miserably. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, what have you been up to? I haven't been watching anything. Nothing. No. Okay. Well, thank you, Alex. You're welcome. Um, I I have been um, marathoning dance films. Um, I kicked things off with the original Footloose and Flashdance back-to-back. Which I've um, never seen either of. The original the Footloose, I mean, yeah, it's an absolutely... So, all right, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. Because I'm not going to say it every time I review one of these movies. They're all stupid. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are all very dumb. You have to leave your brain at the door and just enjoy the ride of, of cliches and uh, hilariously choreographed yet somehow completely impromptu dance numbers. Mm-hmm. And you just have to enjoy it. Um, if you leave that at the door, you're good to go. But Flashdance is... Footloose is actually still pretty good. Yeah. It's actually really, really entertaining. And um, I forgot that Kevin Bacon jump kicks people in the movie, which is fantastic. <laughs> um and uh, Flashdance, it didn't didn't quite... The soundtrack wasn't as good as I remember it being, mm. which is strange. I feel like at the soundtrack, there were more 
if there were more 80s songs that I was into, like Footloose is a killer, like yeah, insane. Awesome like, I remember getting like, two end. songs from Flashdance. Yeah, there's one or two like like that are solid, but the rest of them are kind of okay. yeah. So, um, so I watched those two, and then um, I was watching it with my fiance, and she decided like let's watch some dance movies. I'm like, all right, why not? I was kind of into it. Yeah. yeah. So we watched Step Up one through four. Um, I've seen the first Step Up before. Mm-hmm. It's it's. In the Step Up franchise, it's one of the weaker entries, in all honesty. Okay. Um, but I will say this. The Step Up franchise is like the Fast franchise. Yeah. But for dance movies, <laughs> it's – I I never saw it coming. I mean, it's – they've got – you know, you've got everything from your – you've got your, your characters that show up in, like, different characters that show up throughout the course of the series, and they converge in different ones. And then other ones will leave, and new ones will come. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. There's crew assembling going on here, and I love it. <laughs> Uh, I've only seen the first two. You need to keep I've going. I've seen Two the Streets. Three might be my favorite. Uh, two the Streets. Because they, 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 they battle a group called the Samurai. I'm exci- I'm exci- oh my god. I'm excited right now. And, and, and the character of Moose, who's my personal favorite character of these films. Uh-huh. Uh, do you remember Moose? He's the small little kind of Jewish kid with, mm, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like a total badass when yeah, he's yeah, dancing. Yeah. Uh, he actually returns in three. Mm. And um, it, it's, it's fantastic. Rem- they're a lot of fun. They're terrible, but they're a lot of fun. No, I just remember part two... The main thing I remember is the, uh, and this is going to sound kind of gross, but I don't care, um, is the main girl's midriff was like, <laughs> mm, was yeah. like amazing. Oh, it no, was mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah, she's a, I mean, that's the highest compliment. No, she's be gorgeous. Paid to a midriff. She's, yes. Yeah, she, yes. I mean, she, I was like, whoa, hey. I mean, and, and, and she's coming off the, off the well. heels of Jenna, yeah. Jenna Tatum. Jenna or Dewan. Jenna Dewan Tatum. Jenna Dewan. Oh, that's who, right. Who is also gorgeous. I forgot. So it was, I was like, oh my God, who is this woman? Like, yeah. please let me be her dance partner <laughs> my my only connection to the step up series is that back uh back in the day the slash film cast uh they used to ever you know how people just throw out like a sequel if they think a sequel is a really terrible idea they'll just say whatever to electric boogaloo mm-hmm. yeah they started doing to the streets yeah and and there were some really golden moments in like the after dark slash film cast with like awesome. they would be reading the chat room and people would be putting them in and i got on one of those episodes one time with that's what awesome. I said, but i don't remember what it was <laughs> or what episode it was so i'm very sad about that that's but, awesome uh yeah yeah that's my connection to step up. But anyway, not, <laughs> well, you not should... to trample all over no, your no, momentum. No. no, you know, it's um the step up movies are a lot of fun. And uh the last one, Step Up Revolution, um, isn't so great, but I think we're I think we're gearing up for something special. Oh, on the what was the revolution one about? Because that had did that have any sort of like political? Oh, totally. To oh, no, so, yeah, yeah. so it's they're they're a group of flash mobbers <laughs> uh-huh. who who do like uh, uh, they do protest dance. That's and right. So yeah, yeah. Evil evil Peter Gallagher wants to destroy all of Miami and just build condos on it because that's a great plan. And so he teams up with Peter Gallagher, the, the face of the one percent. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Those eyebrows. Um, and he teams up with uh, George Lopez his dad from the george lopez show and they're gonna they're gonna wreck miami and so the only way to save it is to dance and um there's some really cool dance sequences in it but the the leads aren't great in that one um i don't know it just depends on on you you have to have be in the right mindset for these things yeah they're not award-winning cinema but i'll tell you right now some of the dance numbers are amazing like step up three the the finale the the final dance like I wish I would have seen it in 3D because I'm sure it looks sweet like they have like rain and like stuff flying at you and <laughs> yeah, it, it looks you, cool have you watched the new Footloose yet I have not oh sorry if you're not done that's on the immediate list um okay. I after step up we did just to get through them real quick we did um 
uh, Battle of the Year, which is more recent, that has is uh, that Sawyer? Sawyer from Lost okay. in it, and Chris Brown. Right. Uh, really, really, really corny. Trying to do like a Coach Carter kind yeah, of thing, Fox but and for Chris Brown. it was really oh my god, it was really funny. Um, and then we watched Honey with Jessica Alba, which does not age well. It's really, really bad, and her fake like hood accent is incredible. That's another good. That's another good. <laughs> um, so, oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get to stomp the yard. That one's on the list too. So. If you have any dance oh. movie suggestions, yeah. fair listeners, please send them my way because I'm still still I've seen Stop through. the Yard. I just want to put that Is it good? Yeah, I have too. I, I, I like Stop the Yard. I okay, saw good. it in theaters. Yeah, I kind of like Drumline maybe will be next. Drumline's good. Drumline's yeah, good. Cool. Put it out there. Cool. Drum, drumline. I, I, I remember liking Drumline. I was not a fan of Drumline's got T.I. Mm-hmm. in it? Mm-hmm. Or am I wrong? Nick T.I.'s in one of these, right? Yeah. One of these dance movies. No, T.I.'s in ATL. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, okay. Or was that Roll Bounce? I don't know. You know Watch them all, Willie. You'll you know be able to tell us which you know one guys, just, just, is in. <laughs> just, just send them all my way, um, oh, and I will boy. watch them, and I will talk about them. If so, you know which movie T.I. is in, please let us know. So I'm, I, you're right. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yes, I'll please, please email us T.I.'s filmography. <laughs> um, <laughs> Feedback at MidwestFilmAids.com. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I will say this. Uh, I am going to actively try and convince... Um, the the powers that be at the podcast who will not be here for a few weeks, so I might be able to do it because I'll be the powers that be. Um, to instead of review Ninja Turtles, to review Step Up Five. Is that all the same week? Yes, okay. Step Up All In, where the the girl from Two comes back. I'm gonna catch up with these. Maybe, Dude, get maybe, it done. Maybe we just need to do a double feature. We'll see what happens. Maybe right. we can do that. All right. But um, yeah, that's all I've got. All right. So. Uh, Let's get right into film news. Yes. We've got a few fun little uh, things for you here. Um, big thing, Ryan Johnson, director of Looper and Brick, and I think we all quite enjoy his, his yeah. filmography. The Brothers Bloom as well. Brothers yes. Bloom, yeah, which I have not seen still. I need to get on that too. Maybe after the dance movie one, uh, Marathon. <laughs> um, more important. Put it in the queue. Yes. Uh, Ryan Johnson will be directing Star Wars Episode Eight. And at least writing a treatment, at the very least writing a treatment for episode nine. Mm-hmm. Could be directing it, could be actually writing the script, we don't know. So we know he's directing and writing episode eight. Yeah. That is confirmed. Um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, this is, this is big because we have kind of seen J.J. Abrams, I feel, following a pattern uh, in terms of trying to emulate exactly the way the original trilogy was made. Mm-hmm. He's using uh, John Williams again, obviously. Mm-hmm. He is um, bringing back some of the old cast. He's filming in the, on some of the same locations. Yep. He's using prosthetic creatures at a time when that's not very popular, especially in the Star Wars films. Um, thanks a lot, George Lucas, <laughs> for Grotto or Watto, whatever that stupid thing's name was. Um, <laughs> or Jar Jar. It was Watto. Um, thank you. Was it Watto? Yeah. Watto, yeah. He did this, Padre, sir. Um, I think that was good. I liked him. But, uh, <laughs> so, so it's, I think this is, this, to me, I feel like this is following a pattern because what a lot of people might not realize, although maybe they do by now, but, um, was that all three original trilogy movies were directed by three different directors. Yeah. And that was actually the initial plan for the prequel trilogy too. Um, I think it was Ron Howard and Spielberg were going to direct the other two. So really? That was the original plan. So what do you, I mean, what do you guys think about this? About Ryan Johnson? I'm quite excited. This has me more excited for these two, for eight and nine than I am for seven. I think this does point to the fact that maybe JJ's seven is just going to kind of wrap up Luke and Leia and Han, and seven or eight and nine are probably just going to be more the kid focused, the younger cast focused films. Um, JJ is a great filmmaker. I enjoy a whole lot of his movies. 
But uh, the fact that they're willing to go to Ryan Johnson and be like, hey, you've never directed anything of this scope before. Like, he's got to have, like, a really good pitch. He's got to have something that makes them have faith and want to hand over a $150, 200000000 million movie. The, the biggest film franchise like, yeah, ever. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, let's be honest. To get the keys to that car means that some very serious people have faith in you. And I, I'm excited to see what comes of it. So, yeah. Tim, you got any thoughts on, on Ryan Johnson? Yeah, I like Ryan Johnson better than J.J. Abrams as a director. So I'm excited from that side of it. Um, it. But there's always a part of me that gets kind of bummed when a filmmaker as good as this step uh, steps i don't like seeing filmmakers i like get ruined by giant franchises yeah. like this i'm thinking like the ones that have just popped into my head are Raimi and john favreau and they've they went on like immediately after like iron man 2 and cowboys and aliens to do something like chef which probably was something they should be doing mm-hmm, yeah. and so that's kind of a bummer to me sure. so i don't want to see him get crushed by star wars right because it could star be 10 wars... years before he directs something original again right 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 yeah, and the Star Wars machine, and um, so I mean, I'm torn. But I wish Nick was on because he cares more about Star Wars than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, like, I like I like the first three a lot, and then I don't really care. Yeah. So okay. Um, no, and I'm 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 the same way. Yeah. Like, yes, I, me too. I think even with like Gojo, Gojo loves Star Wars, and he doesn't even want Seven to happen. Right. So you know, I don't know. I and now he's kind of how, how many directors do we have tapped for these? This new wave of Star Wars we've got, movies. We've got three different directors we've got for JJ. all these I'm more excited. Yeah, I'm more excited about the uh, spinoffs. Who, who's directing the spinoffs? Do we we've have got confirmation? J- JJ's doing 2015 Episode 7. Okay. We have Gareth Edwards doing 2016, which is rumored which is to be Boba Fett. Okay, okay. Uh, Ryan Johnson doing Episode... Uh, At least Episode 8. E- episode 8. Mm-hmm. And then 2018... Josh Josh Trank is going to do the 2018. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. So we don't have one for the 2020. So a really exciting group of young filmmakers to just be making a bunch of Star Wars movies instead yeah. of their own stuff, which yeah. is yeah, kind of a yeah. yeah. No, I guess in that way it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, they're. I think all these guys are 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 solid choices though. On the yes, other hand, yeah. Maybe that means that maybe we're seeing Disney being exciting and and, right. and, and willing to take Star Wars in a direction that we never thought it could go before. These very well might as well be, I mean, for all we know, they could just be basically original stories that happen to be take, take place in the Star Wars universe. Totally. Like, so supposedly, we don't comment on rumors and speculation, but supposedly no. uh, Hasbro ruined the Star Wars spinoff release dates and what they're <laughs> supposed to be. So 2015, Episode 7, 2016, Boba Fett, uh, 2017, Episode 8, 2018, Han Solo. Oh, it's just called Solo here, though. So maybe well, it's a remake of the old uh, Solo movie. Wasn't there a ooh, Solo movie yeah. with Michael Jai White? I like that. <laughs> I don't think that's it, but... <laughs> so supposedly Josh Trank will do a Han Solo movie. Then we've got Episode 9 2019. And then 2020 is supposed to be Red 5, like some kind of Red Red Squadron-based film, <laughs> film, which is interesting. Like, these are... You know, I remember when, when Zack Snyder came out and was like, I'd love to make a Seven Samurai Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us were pretty much like, I would watch that. Please do it. Yeah. So I'm, it's it's exciting to me that Disney's willing to kind of like push Star Wars out of its comfort zone and maybe utilize directors that can bring something really special to these movies. Because I think at this point, I, I mean, you know... But I, I, I completely agree with Tim, let yeah. me just say. Yeah. Like, it sucks to take them out of the game and pull them away from original properties, but... sure. 
But let's be honest, if we didn't, then we'd also have a bunch of, like, Jonathan Leibsman or, right, you, and know, then, uh, and I agree. And you know, Underworld guy that I don't remember his name. Whedon's done a nice job of balancing that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. He's kind of an example of someone who has been sucked in by the machine and still managed to make his own stuff. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So like, he's... He's still got, like, much ado out. <laughs> he filmed it in, like, a stupid... Like, obviously, it's, like, a really small project, and he wrote the script for In Your Eyes, which was a weird movie. Kevin but... in the Woods. And, yeah, Kev- Kevin in the Woods... Well, Kevin in the Woods is kind of weird, because it was done, like, four years True. before Avengers. But uh, it, it, I think it's possible to have your your vision... Put your vision out there uh, in, in, in some mm-hmm. form in order to kind of keep working on your own sensibilities and not get lost. Whedon, Whedon is very like, like I expect Whedon to step away from Marvel after Avengers. 2. Yeah, I think he's done. Like, I think he will just step away say, I've done what I needed to do with you guys. Please let me go work on my own creations mm-hmm. for a little while. Cause that's the kind of person that he is. Yeah. And if, if Ryan Johnson and Josh Trank and whoever else they end up picking, um, if they have these really, really good ideas, if they have a push to, like, I really want to make this thing, this not only would give them the cachet to, like, do do that and make it happen, but I think they will step away and say, this is what I want. Otherwise, they'll stay in the machine and keep making money. Yeah. Maybe we didn't really care to see what they wanted to make anyway. Yeah, but if that's what they want to do, then good for them. Good for at them. least I mean, Josh Trank know. is, is, is going to get his uh, indie darling, the Fantastic Four, out. <laughs> Josh Trank seems like someone who just wants to be in the machine. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. He made it Chronicle and was like, check, please. Kids <laughs> aren't giving me money. But anyway. All right. Um, moving on. Uh, Shane Black, who starred in the original Predator, is now directing Predator. What? <laughs> He's directing a Predator requel, preboot. What did you call it? Preboot, requel. Seaboot. Seaboot. Sequest. Sequest DSP. <laughs> uh, Stargate. So he, he's directing a, a Predator film, which apparently is not a sequel to Predators by uh, that guy that Rod Rod Nimrod. Does. Nimrod. Yeah, Nimrod yeah. Tall. So um, what do you guys think about this? This is interesting. Um, I mean, it's funny because Shane Black was like in the first Predator. That's the funniest part. Yeah, that's it, pretty it? insane. Um, what I did not realize was that Fred Decker was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Fred Decker. He's a director. Um, was never really kind of saw where I, I mean, he never really was able to be boosted into the stratosphere. Well, he, or anything. he did Monster Squad, and he did he did um, Night of the Creeps, Night of the Creeps, and okay. Monster Squad, and then a Robocop. Three, okay, which is probably where things went south. But anyway, Fred Decker's involved. <laughs> I'm very excited about Fred Decker being involved, probably even more than Shane Black. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about a new Predator film? I'm down. I've seen exactly one actual Predator movie and one Alien vs Predator movie. And I'm sorry about one of those. Yeah, um, I enjoyed the first Predator very much. I should go and fill in my knowledge, but it, you know Shane Black's an awesome guy, and I think if he wants to do something cool with it, then why not? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love love the first Predator. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the Shane Black's awesome. And once again, I hope this is kind of a means to an end too, because he's always talked about making a Doc Savage movie, and he's been yeah. talking to Chris Hemsworth, who would be awesome for Doc Savage. So, <laughs> He'd be awesome in a Predator movie too. So like, right, right. So no, I like. Um, I think I like all the the predators, the predator movies, not the Alien vs Predator ones. Yes, agreed. I, yeah. I even like Predators. So Predator Two is cool too. Yep. I don't care what anybody says. Screw the haters. <laughs> um, all right, uh, and then we we I, I don't I mean I said when Fred Decker. 
Um, that's all I've got. No, I'm excited for it. I like the Predator franchise, so I'm excited to see. I like Predator, so I would have been cool the sequel to that. So I'm very cool with uh, Shane Black kind of taking the reins and yeah. seeing what he does with that. And I loved Iron Man three. So yeah, totally. Um, I hope there's a Christmas theme for the new Predator movie. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for all the really quick witty repartee between the Predator and whoever else and Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, our third piece of news is it new, news question mark? I think it's um, breaking. Oh, this is earth shattering. This is actually this just came to us. Uh, it was just put on my desk, and I'm going to pass it over to Tim. Um, James Franco's going insane. Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. No, James Franco's a poet, and we didn't realize this until recently. Well, here's the thing. I, this is why I like James Franco, is because we live in, we live in a time where nobody, everybody just kind of stays in their station. We'll talk about this later during Snowpiercer. <laughs> but we live in a time when everybody just kind of – and Franco's out there doing things. I, he's flat out – trolling everybody right now i'm pretty sure but i'm not sure like he could actually be he wrote a poem about heath ledger that was released today very timely i might add (laughs) but i don't i'm not completely sure what he's doing but it i read it during work instead of working again i do no work if you (laughs) gather from this podcast but um can you do a dramatic reading for us i can i can once again this is Heath um james franco writing about heath ledger let's see if i can do this justice there had been a time when we were up for the same roles. Ten, thing I, ten things I hate about you, based on the taming of the shrew. And the patriot? Funny, you were Australian, and so was Mel. You were the knight in a knight's tale. That's, that's... <laughs> what? That last line's the best, though. You were the knight in a knight's tale. I, I see, my, I like that line. My favorite line is the almost weird bitterness that he has towards the patriot where he's like funny you were australian and so was mel yeah like, like that's why like... he got the part over <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so once again i mean this is much more expertly done than what um idiot labouf is doing right now mm. who's just having who's just doing dumb things this and blaming master class this trolling. is yeah this is how you do it <laughs> folks that's that. That was breaking news. Maybe maybe James Franco's being paid by all of those movie companies to make poetry that connects them all. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like once a month for this, this this entire year, there's been some sort of James Franco controversy running yep. around. Right. And uh, I think he's just he's really smart about it. He's I built a he's, persona. He's keeping himself in the in the in the public eye. I mean, good for him. I mean, if it takes a 14 year old to do it, then you know that's cool. You heard about that, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. She was like 17. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Uh, I apologize to James Franco for defaming him. Um, He's probably listening. Are... We can probably get him on the podcast if you're careful. Franco, Franco, yeah. If you, There's yeah. going to be a hole in the podcast for the next three weeks. Seriously, you can come in and take over and just read poems. I will do we will an, give you free reign. I'll give you an hour of poem time like each week. So if you're listening, please, just, just come on in. Um... All right, now right into our review of, of Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer, starring Chris Evans, Tilda Swinton, uh, Ewan Bremner, Allison Pill, John Hurt. Uh, Jamie Bell. Jamie, Jamie Bell. Bell. Yeah, a whole bunch of very, very talented international uh, actors. Um, the uh, IMDb synopsis says, In a future where a failed global warming experiment kills all of life on the planet except for a lucky few that boarded the Snowpiercer, a train that travels around the globe. That's a... There's a lot of comments. This is a really terribly written Yeah. You know, it doesn't Uh, even make any sense. Where a class system evolves. So they're on a big train, and the world (laughs) has ended, and there's a class system on it. Yep. Yes. Um, 
this is a movie that we've been following for a while now. Um, yeah. It's a pretty storied production. Uh, well, not I shouldn't say post-production slash distribution uh, thing going on with the Weinstein Company, and they didn't want to release it. As there always is with Weinstein uh, it, Company movies. Yeah, they want to recut the movie for U.S. audiences because we're really stupid, apparently. And um, luckily, we got the original, unaltered version of this film. So, happy days. Only one cut. One cut, and I'm very happy about that. But, um... Let's, Alex, what did you think about Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer is such an interesting movie to me. It seemed like the the kind of, it's a Korean-American movie, like production, um, with such a diverse cast, and it's just so refreshingly good. There's nothing about this movie that I don't, like, absolutely love, or at least appreciate in some manner. I don't think it's a completely flawless movie. But I still think that um, it just achieves... It, it aims for the sky, and it absolutely... I think it achieves a large majority of what it wants to do. Um, even for being like a somewhat low-budget film, none of the CG feels particularly weak. I enjoyed like everything that was shot. I think it gave it... like A lot of the, the kind of desolate, wintry city outside has a very stylistic appeal to it to me, which is probably somewhat of a conscious choice and it's probably also somewhat of like a budgetary choice as well. And I, I enjoyed that very much. All the performances across the board are fantastic. Um, the story itself I think is very intriguing and I think I, I kind of would have preferred a few different story choices, but we can get into that in spoiler Terry. Um, but this movie not only kind of has a line of like social commentary on it, but it also has a commentary on like filmmaking itself as well, which I really, really appreciate. Like it's very much about like the class system that's in it, but then also that you get this weird aspect, which we'll talk about more in spoilers, but there's another aspect of like kind of entertainment and film and propaganda itself that kind of exists that, that, that gets talked about in the movie. And I kind of appreciate it for that because this movie itself is really kind of trying to stand out. Like, I, like putting this movie next to Transformers is really fantastic for me because Transformers is just a desolate wasteland of complete crap. <laughs> like, there's there's nothing good about that movie. There's there's nothing. Snowpiercer is just, and it's sad because one of them is at number four on the the top ten movies of the summer. And will uh, probably be number one. And will probably be number one. The other one probably won't break the list. But I think Snowpiercer just... There's so many unique ideas. And there's so many beautiful moments. And there's... it's He does... Bong Joon-ho does such a good job of... Kind of... Really making you feel like... That train has been lived in for 18 years. And that the... Uh, that the people within it really do yearn for more and 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 that kind of it's just such a fully fleshed out idea that it's fantastic and i absolutely loved it so very very cool i pass the torch to you tim okay pass the conch yeah the bill murray conch anyway (laughs) i love this movie so much like oh my god like where do i start like this is this is what we're this is what i'm talking about here like this is the good stuff you got it all it's violent it's dark, it's funny, it's weird, it's angry, it, like, it's got all sorts of things just going on. It's it's so funny to me that the Weinstein 
company didn't think Americans were going to understand this because it's about as subtle as a fucking sledgehammer <laughs> at the time. Like it's just screaming. It's true. It's true. Um, uh, so no, I really, really like this a lot. It's my favorite movie that I've seen this year. It's probably my favorite movie I've seen in a couple of years. Um, I have to. I'll watch it again when it comes out. But um, what's weird is up until Hercules. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. It. Well, I mean, I don't even count that as a movie. That's more of an experience. Okay. I think. So. All right. Um, where was I going? The movie, the movie that I was sat there and was reminded most of that I had recently seen was um, Noah, because both mm. of these are. If you're going into this movie and you're going to sit there and go, well, how do they get all these people on the train and how do the cows work or whatever? Because <laughs> like, I've seen complaints like this. They're like, how do the ecosystems work on this train? And I just like, do you like do you not understand? This is a fable. This is a science fiction fable. Mm. Like this is and much like Noah, Noah, this is a story that you interpret in your own way. And that's what's so amazing about this movie, because I think there are a couple different ways you can take what this movie is saying. And I think Alex touched on a couple of them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, there are two really amazing science fiction movies in theaters right now. And I think there's about to be a third, because Dawn is, Dawn of the Planet Apes is supposed to be a really good. So, Edge of Tomorrow and this... And Dawn of the Planet Apes, go see those and stop seeing Transformers. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> no, absolutely. Take your kids to see um, Edge of Tomorrow. Probably don't take them to go see, see Snowpiercer. No, probably not. You, yeah. Take them to see Edge of Tomorrow or the Apes. Like, they, yeah. can, they can put up with that. Yeah. They, they're less psychopathic than most of the Transformers. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're not they're not the sociopath optimist <laughs> yes. who just wants to murder people in the fourth one. Yes. I, I hate to, you know I hate to be that guy that that says like you know you're the problem for going if you want to go see Transformers fine but you should be seeing these movies <laughs> yeah because I'm telling you you'll like there's nothing I haven't seen none of us have seen Planet of the Apes yet but it sounds like it's gonna be you, you know what find the kid at the movie theater that works at the movie theater who knows what the times are and be like hey I really want to give money t- to Snowpiercer or Edge of Tomorrow but I kind of want to see Transformers like if you really need to see Transformers just do this <laughs> Because that kid will respect you so much. <laughs> I promise. And if he doesn't, then he shouldn't be working at the movie theater. That's true. Anyway. Willie. Um, I was really excited for this movie. Very, very excited. And I... I his first film, uh, Banju Ho's first film... Uh, well, the first film that I saw of his, The Host. Love that movie. That that movie is so cool. And it's it's... It's got a ton of like social commentary in it, and it fits it into this kind of giant monster premise. I, just, oh, I love that movie. Um, if you have not seen it, you should track it down because it's awesome. Um, obviously, I love Chris Evans because he's Captain America, and uh, you should all know my feelings on that by now. Um, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, the more I love it. Um, I really didn't have any real preconceived notions of what to expect tonally from this movie, and I think that probably helps. I think if you go into it thinking this is going to be completely humorless, dark, no, you're wrong. There's there's a lot of funny moments in this movie, yeah. and uh, most of them darkly humorous. But that's you know, God, I don't understand why you would want to cut this movie. I can't. There's nothing wrong with it. There's there's bits towards the end that drag a bit. Maybe there's a there's we'll talk about that in spoilers. There might be some stuff in there, and I know that you want to talk about that a little bit, Alex. Yeah. But um, honestly, I, 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 
I love this movie. And I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, it's the acting is stellar all throughout. Right, mm-hmm. at, right, at the ba- right at the base level, like, everybody is... And these are all these are actors that could probably sleepwalk on set, and I'd be interested in them. Tilda Swinton's a great actress. We know this. Mm-hmm. She could probably show up on set and barely do any acting, and she'd probably still be riveting. But she doesn't. She, like, goes... She does a ton of acting. She goes <laughs> nuts. Uh, John Hurt brings his best John Hurt. I mean, he's... he's John Hurt brings the hurt. Brings the hurt. <laughs> he brings the pain. And, uh, no, he's, he's, John Hurt's great. I mean, and, and he can, he's one of those guys who can just walk on set and show up and it's great. Um, Jamie Bell, who I have never, um, uh, been exposed to really in any major, I don't, I don't think I've seen any You're of his movies. You're looking forward for his, uh, turn as, uh, Ben Grimm in uh, Josh <laughs> I forgot he was, Fantastic he was in that. Four. You know, oh, yeah, you yeah. know what? He, he's, he's great in this. He's one of the coolest characters in the movie. Can I tell you a real quick, what I like yeah. about Jamie Bell in this movie? And it, 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 it probably wasn't on purpose or anything, but Jamie Bell looks like he should be in like a seventies or eighties punk band. Just the kind look of, of him. Yeah, and like, yeah. I remember thinking like, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. He looks he also, cool. he kind of looks like he could be a newsie too. Both the same. Yeah. I think. <laughs> An eighties reimagining. of But newsies. I just thought like, Oh, his look fits with the theme of this movie. Yeah. yeah. No, it totally does. And, it, um, yeah, I mean, everybody's great. And I, and it's, um, I mean, top to bottom, even like Ewan Bremner, who's got kind of a smaller role in the mm-hmm. film. He's, He's great. Uh, God, it just the cast is insane. The script is super cool, and it manages to be hit every emotional peak, and somehow it all works together. I mean, God, there's moments in this movie that are just so freaking off the wall and bonkers, and like for a moment there, I think a lesser director would have the, the no pun intended. The movie would have gone off the rails. <laughs> Good fun now. But a good fun. It would have gone off the rails. No, seriously. Like I think that in the in the hands of somebody less talented, it would have it could have seriously like screwed or the movie up. Or in the up. hands of Michael Bay. <laughs> and I don't even <laughs> want to talk about him anymore. We're giving him way too much time on this podcast, Alex. No, um, <laughs> no. But uh, scenes like the, uh, the there's a scene involving a um, there's a scene involving children where they're interacting with some of the characters, and it's insane. I mean, it's insanity on screen, like to the highest extent. And but it's always believable. It everything mm-hmm. feels organic, and it, it it totally fits the world. Uh, twists and turns in the script, fantastic. It, oftentimes, I sit there, find myself either figuring out the twist halfway through a movie, yeah. and I, I'm not some genius. I'm not. I don't write. I'm not a screenwriter, but I feel like we're dumbing things down a bit. Yeah. Um, and this one's not. There are moments where I, I was genuinely. I probably should have seen things coming, but I genuinely was like. Oh shit! You were like, along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's just—it's a cool movie. It's so cool, and this is how smart sci-fi should be. This is, this is. I think we've seen in the last five or so years, maybe even ten or so years, we've seen some very smart science fiction films, and we've seen some very dumb science fiction films that think they're really smart. And and we've seen some really dumb science fiction films that, that know think they're, they're dumb. dumb. Yeah. That know they're done. Like Transformers yeah. 4. Right. <laughs> Seriously, Alex? <laughs> we reviewed this already. Um, but no, um, and, and, and to be, I'll be honest, I'm thinking of something like Prometheus. Like Prometheus yeah. kind of, I feel like, wanted to be a lot more intelligent and thought-provoking than it actually was. Um, but then instead they're like, oh, hey, I think we can take our helmets off. Yeah, you know, and they do it here, anyway. black magic goo. Um, <laughs> but this one truly, truly... I think captures everything that's great about the science fiction genre. And, um, you know, it, it's up there to me with movies, with recent, more recent movies like Sunshine, which I loved. Um, this might be better than Sunshine, actually, which is crazy to me that I'm saying that. Um, 
but it's it's just a fantastic movie, and it's it's not it's probably not for everybody. You know, I I, I wouldn't uh, I say this a lot, but I probably wouldn't say Dad go see Snowpiercer. Yeah. Although I have a weird feeling he'd like this one, um, probably because of Tilda Swinton. But um, no, it's 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 very cool, and if it's anywhere near you, please go see it. Yeah, and if it, and if it's not anywhere near you, apparently it's going to be on video on demand soon. Please pay the money for the video on demand. Yeah. Um, if you like science fiction in any form, I think you'll dig at least something about this movie, probably all of it. So, yeah, you have to see it. It needs to make more money than it's making. Totally. And I, I would love to see Bong Joon Ho like be able to do more with like international casts and stuff because he does such a great job with all these guys. Bong Joon Ho so, for Red Five Star Wars movie I'm, 2020. I, no, no, that's not that's not no. <laughs> I don't want him wasted on the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> God, we're so we're so elitist. I know, it's disgusting. Just yeah. what is happening? We're to a us. group of Tilda Swintons. We we need to review some something really <laughs> terrible. Um, wait, we already did. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's yeah, that's all I got. No, I, it's it's it's. I think all of us can recommend it totally. I, I, Even if yeah, I mean, that's so what's so weird about me is the idea that they're cutting it because they're the ones that cut the Grandmaster too. If I if I'm correct. Probably. Yeah, the Asian film, yeah. The Grandmaster, and they cut so much stuff out of it, and it makes no sense in the re- <laughs> version they released. And I sat there watching it going, this might not make any sense, but it would help if I had those extra minutes. And this movie, I don't understand what you cut out of it. And I don't understand the idea that people aren't going to get it, because even if they don't get the themes and the ideas, like, you're going to feel something during this movie. Like, it's, oh, it's there to, like, make you feel, <laughs> yeah, oh, like, it, something. It, yeah. it seriously drags you through, like, through the mud. Like, right. this this movie, I mean, it's... You might not, you might see it and not like it, but it's a rewarding experience to see the movie. At totally. Point, I think, so. And the fact that, the fact that they were able to do so much, so much with a movie that takes place on a train... Yeah. Is so impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not your standard train by any means, <laughs> but um, it's really, really impressive. Yeah. And I actually, I, I want to say the uh, the sense of claustrophobia, I think, actually adds some tension to the movie. Totally. Like, you don't, you never feel like you're able to, like, move. <laughs> like, literally, it's it's pretty cool. So, yeah. Go see All it. Right. Yeah. Please, please go see it. We need more movies like this. Yes. So. Um, we are going to jump into spoiler Terry. So, if you have not seen it, please don't spoil this movie. Like I would love for you to listen to our voices more, but this is one where I can I like I have to warn Urge. you, please don't like like go in blind. Don't watch trailers, which I didn't. Yeah, this is one where I. I didn't. Don't watch trailers. Don't just go go see it and then come back to us for spoiler Terry. But we'll be back. <laughs> Welcome back to Spoiler Terry for Snowpiercer. Alex, what do you got for us? So in terms of like what I would cut, it's not so much... I don't have scenes that I would actually cut, but I feel as though this movie has a little bit of Matrix Reloaded Colonel Sanders uh, uh, syndrome, where you get exposition this, dump? this really big exposition dump by Ed <laughs> Harris at the end of the movie, and I think you get so little time to chew on it all that it's really, really hard to kind of let all the piss, all the pieces fall together and to really get a good idea of them tying all of these themes together and, and putting it all together. Like, I think the, the nice bow does exist, but I wish I would have gotten to feel it come together a little bit more elegantly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's a, it's hard. It's a hard problem to have, especially 
taking everything that this movie amounts to and, and bringing it to a head, <laughs> to the head of the train. Uh, <laughs> but I think, uh, it, it, I, I think there's something that they could have done there. Not necessarily, like, I think it, this would have been like, like script level issue. This is not uh, Weinstein brothers can cut it up and fix it. So I'm glad they didn't touch it. But I think something could have done it could have been done in that final act there to kind of neaten it up just a little bit, really start drawing the conclusions together, mm-hmm. bringing everything together perfectly because it's there it just sometimes it gets to be just a little bit too much. Like there could have been a little bit more hand holding in that final because it's not this isn't them kind of telegraphing from the beginning, oh hey, bad people doing things, they're doing these things. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's children involved. Like we didn't get that the whole way through. So I think it would have been helpful to get a little bit more guidance in that final act. I almost wonder if having the Tilda Swinton character maybe earlier on in the film uh, allude to the fact that John Hurt was in communication with Ed Harris's character, just so that I think that's one less major revelation, I guess, during that period. Maybe that would have helped. Yeah. Having that, having at least the seeds planted a little heavier for that revelation before we go into... We can discuss about that, too, because the kind of precedent exists. It's interesting. There's so much to talk about, because John John Hurt tells uh, Chris Evans, he's like, he tells Curtis, uh, you need to cut out his tongue. Don't let him talk. Yeah, that's the line I was thinking of when you were... Yeah. So, like, the question is, is Ed Harris lying about it all or is like seriously like what did did John Hurt kind of have a change of heart just to be like we need to you know Ed Harris just strictly needs to die and we need to move on from this like I don't there's more there and I think it's interesting to think about but I don't know if we have a whole lot to you know yeah, I th- I, my, my opinion on that is, I mean, I think for sure the two of them were in cahoots at some point. I don't know if they still were at this point um, or not, because, I mean, John Hurt says to Tilda Swinton's character, I need to talk to yeah, him. Totally. So maybe they haven't been in communication for a while. Maybe the, the friendship or whatever has broken up in Ed Harris. Clearly they haven't. The phone is in John Hurt's room yeah. the whole time. So they've yeah. been speaking to each other. But I think I, I think John Hurt genuinely wants uh, Ed Harris out of the picture at this, at this point in the story. I think... I think that he's maybe, like I said, maybe at some point in the relationship, he just cut off all communication with him and John Hurt's like, fuck this guy. Like, yeah. enough of that, you yeah. know? So it's an interesting thing. It's, it's a hell of a twist. I mean, I, I honestly didn't, I didn't see that coming. Um, and you don't know a ton about John Hurt's character beforehand, so it's not totally like out of the, like out of the realm of possibility, but, yeah. but it's cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. There's a lot of information to chew on. Certainly not Matrix Reloaded, Reloaded level, but... No, uh, it's not, but it it's not nearly as ridiculously con- contrived and convoluted as the Matrix yeah. is. But I think it suffers from a little bit of that issue. Sure, so. sure. I, there, I also kind of want to bring up... Willie and I talked about a little bit kind of the, the parallels between this movie and Elysium. Mm. Like, mm, that was uh, another one I thought about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, the, I think... Tim, you kind of said that that Snowpiercer kind of hits you over the head with everything, and that's kind of exactly what we hated about Elysium back in the day. Sure. But I think the issue is that maybe Elysium was trying to be thinly veiled, and Snowpiercer, it's legitimately part of the story that there's a class system. I guess like, maybe I, I maybe I put that... If Snowpiercer follows through with its themes yeah. a, lot, a lot better yeah. than Elysium did. Elysium kind of... It hits you over the head with it. It's not... 
subtle, but it never really goes full into yeah. him and commits to him, I didn't think. so. Well, it's just it's all just kind of like, healthcare, here's a machine that fixes everything. Right, yeah, right, That's right. one of the problems, too. Yeah, is... and Elysium's pretty stupid about it, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, here's this whole big ship of these that we couldn't have just put on Earth. That's, that's the logic a... behind it's much worse. <clears throat> that's a problem. And, yeah. and I think one of the things that I, you know, I normally, I'm, I... I... Sorry, spoilers for Elysium. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Don't watch that movie anyway. Um, watch this instead. Um, no, it's, uh, one of the problems I have with Elysium that I didn't have with this, I think stems from the fact that the characters, the evil rich people in Elysium are just evil and rich. I don't know anything more about them. Ed Harris's character, I can understand why he became the way he is. I get it. I mean, he literally, you see everybody worshiping him as a godlike being. You see them worshiping the engine as like this omnipotent, this, it will never do like, seriously, they think it's a God. They think he's a God. And, and. By the end, I think he honestly believes he is too. Like, he seriously thinks that, like, the way he looks at the engine and speaks about it, it's like he's like, this is, a, you know, and, and in a way, he's not wrong. Isn't it the closest thing to God these people have? Yeah. Um, but I understand there's more to Ed Harris's character than just, I'm rich, so I'm bad. I'm bad, bad geek. Very true. You know, it doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't have a French accent for no reason. <laughs> that was weird too. <laughs> forget about that but and uh, that and matt damon doesn't save everybody yeah well then i mean there are different ways to elysium is pretty much there's one way to interpret if i remember it it's yeah it's that rich rich people are bad yeah this healthcare should be free for everybody and that's that's the point yeah this this there are t- a couple different ways i think you can interpret this movie and that's what's so great about it and one of them you can the idea that the what I took from it is it's more a movie about the laziness of everybody involved yeah. in this. It's not, it's people at the top trying to keep everybody else in their station so they can stay at the top. And then the people at the bottom being really kind of too lazy to do about anything about it. And the people in the middle that are out at the club yeah. just kind of partying along. They don't really care. There's no Slip progress being made. Yeah, there's no progress being made at all, and that's there's no innovation. That's another thing this movie is about. It's like yeah, that's what I was talking about with like being about movies. Yes, it's very much like a condemnation of really lazy sequel making and everybody. Everybody's kind of happy where they're at, except for the people in the back who don't have any power anyway. Yeah. By this point, everybody just kind of wants to stay where they're at, and there's no innovation happening with the people in the upper class because they're all making money. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, they're the ones in control. I thought that was that was an idea that it was played with. The other idea I thought, and this is something I'd have to see on a, a second viewing, is it's kind of a finger, it's pointing a finger at not just rich people, but the entire globe of the Americans and the Europeans and the Asian countries that have all these innovations, not really doing anything yeah. with them. And like, we're the ones in the front of the trade. You don't see anybody in the trade, and obviously it plays in plot-wise, but, and it makes sense. Um from a logic standpoint, but you don't see anybody in the plane from like Africa or yeah. the train from Africa. So, I mean, there's an idea of that too, where we're kind of going along doing our own things and everybody else is being ignored and dead in this movie. Yeah. yeah. But as long as we're safe and happy. So that was an idea that I thought was kind of conveyed in this movie as well. Um, but those were some of the ways I interpreted. And I didn't think it was just a, I didn't think it was as simple as Elysium was where it's rich people, bad Poor people, good. Mm-hmm. That's right. Although, Matt Damon. <laughs> if you're a member of the proletariat like myself, and you go see it, in a, go see it in an uppity, uppity theater because it's hilarious. <laughs> because 
gets kind of uncomfortable at times. <laughs> um, I have to talk about Chris Evans real quick. Okay. Like, dude. Willie's tears. Guy brings it in this movie. Like, I mean, I, you know, I've I've liked Chris Evans as an, as an actor for a long time. <clears throat> um, I, I, mean, I thought he was charismatic back in... Uh, uh, not another teen movie. So, I mean, I've, yeah. I've liked him for a long he's time. He's one of the only likable parts of Fantastic Four. <laughs> he really is. He's great in those movies. Yeah. And um, it's... God, but he he really gets a lot to chew on in this one. And I was wondering, you know, for a long time, throughout the course of the movie, he comes across as kind of a... a little bit of a cliche leading man. You know, he's... Doesn't a, want the power. He's got that a he's haunted given. past. They're like, oh, you're not. They're not saying you're the chosen one, but oh, you're you're going to lead us. And he doesn't want any of that responsibility. It's it feels cliche, and even his performance kind of echoes that a little bit. He just feels like the kind of a tough guy. Like, yeah. and by the time you get to the end and you understand through the course of his monologue what he's been through, and you all those little pieces of his character fall into place, and it's it's. Everything that Chris Evans does, <clears throat> like acting wise in the third act, is fantastic. Yeah, I mean he's he's crazy good. So props to him because I mean I expected everybody else to be like nuts good, but he's way way better than I could have anticipated. He could so. have phoned this in, especially because we know he's getting kind of tired of acting anyway. Like it's almost like one of the, like uh, this was filmed a little bit before he kind of got to that point, at least in the public eye. But it would have been easy for him to just be like. Here's a small movie that I'm just going to be in and collect a paycheck. I think he likes doing stuff like this more anyway. I I think this is what he would like to do, but, like, my argument would be if someone sees, like, oh, Captain America's in this movie, I'm going to go see it. Like, that's why he should be doing Captain America. that's (laughs) true. Like, like, that would always be my argument, because I've kind of heard that he would rather do stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Totally should keep doing stuff like this. He should. He's a movie star. Like, he's he amazing in this. So. Yeah. He's really yeah. good. And he was great in, uh, there's a little movie, too, real quick, called Puncture mm. that he was in, uh, which is really cool. You should check it out if you get a chance. It's very, very good. But that, anyway. That was done between Cap and Avengers, yes. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Chris Evans amazing. Um, I will say that Mr. Kung Fu Fighter is awesome. I don't remember the actor's name or the character's <laughs> name, yeah. but he's super sweet, and he came out of, that was one of those little... F- those little pieces of Asian cinema flair that came in there yeah. oh, that, yeah. I, that I, 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 I kind of expected, but I think a lot of audiences might be like, "What is this guy ninja flipping mm-hmm. right now?" But it was amazing, like that, and the and the the schoolroom scene with Alison Pill feel totally like Asian cinema, like uh, the those... schoolroom scene. Like I almost like that's when I fell in love with the movie. Yeah, me no, too. it was yeah. terrifying. Yeah, because it was so. <laughs> it's a brainwash. She's Alison Pill plays an insane person, <laughs> yeah. and she's brainwashing a classroom full of children. And it's so dark and comical. I, I wish I remembered the song they sing. Oh, yeah. It was something about, like, if we go outside, we freeze and die or something like that. Like, it's, it's really, really grim. <laughs> it was grim. so funny. So, so funny. Jeez, but yeah. That, that was a part where I remember going, oh, this movie's kind of dangerous. And then there was, uh, this movie's kind of dangerous. And then there was the part where there's the big fight with, like, the, uh, the axes yeah, they like hatchets. Yeah. Or something. They like the hatchets, and I remember I was just going like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like because they're just like beating down on them. It's brutal. It's brutal yeah. and it's terrifying. It's not as like viscerally gory or anything as like say even like the raid two. Mm-hmm. No, it but... just it, like I felt like mm-hmm. like just the way he, he shot it. I felt like I was being like had a hatchet coming at me the whole time and just like at a hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it was amazing. Yeah, you felt like you were in in like in every environment they travel through. I mean, there's some. 
absolutely gorgeous environments inside of the, the aquarium scene is amazing yeah because every time you enter i mean seriously every time they enter they enter a new train car it's a whole different world it's like a video game it's yeah. like it's like going to the next level and what are we going to deal with now like and it's just every single one of them is interesting in a different way the, the scene where they're sitting down and having sushi you would think it'd just be a pretty boring but that's one of the coolest scenes in the movie to me like because it's just something about sitting at this bar like you would with your friends getting dinner and they look outside and everything's a fucking wasteland. <laughs> like, it's so haunting to me and so cool. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about um, the the kind of final showdown, if you want to call it that, with Ed Harris's character. Yeah. And uh, Alex was kind of poking fun at me for this while we were talking about it after the movie because he thought I was hungry or something. But um, <laughs> he, uh, I, I, here's what I thought was going to go down. And I feel like I, I want – you know what? If you've seen Snowpiercer, please make me feel better by saying that you also felt this way <laughs> or don't. Um, I honestly thought that they were going to sit down. Evans was going to have a piece of steak. He was going to go, oh, my God, this is a person that I'm eating right now because he's eating people and he recognizes the taste. And then it was going to be like – like, that was going to be a revelation, like, oh, the kids are being eaten by Ed Harris or something. Like, makes no sense, really. But I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I think that would be pretty cool still. So <laughs> I really kind of wanted Chris Evans to take a bite and go, you son of a bitch. So that was that's all I got. Because they set the precedent for Chris Evans having yeah, Briefly with a, before with they were like, yeah. God, he eats a baby. That doesn't really sound good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that monologue, man. I can't get over that. When he says babies tasted the best, I was just like. The woman in front of me. She was uh she kept closing her eyes during certain points in the movie, and like I think she closed her eyes during like the when she the baby eating reveal. Yeah. She like closed her eyes like it was gonna like stop. They're everything. gonna flashback. To, <laughs> they're gonna Family Guy it and show you show you Chris Evans eating a baby, comically eating a baby, or that she just couldn't handle those two words together, and she's like, I gotta stop it somehow. <laughs> I need to make this go away. <laughs> um, I feel kind of bad for her. She was dragged there by her two sons. Oh no. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's yeah. Anyway, so I honestly thought that they were going to be sharing a meal of of person for a second there. Um, yeah, I I don't know what else I got. Anybody else got anything major they want to talk? I feel like I had so much to talk about with this one. No, I think I think there. It's so dense. Like I really wish I wish that we saw this movie yesterday. Willie and I did. I wish we would have seen it on like Friday and had the time to digest it. And mm-hmm. then maybe I would have even gone to see it a second time. I would like to see it again because yeah. there's just so much, so much to to think about. Like I love, um, I love the character of the guy who who would open uh, Nam. Yeah, Nam. Uh, the yes. guy, the guy who opened up the, the gates for them. Mm. Uh, he, even, even his part in the third act is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. He starts explaining to Chris Evans, like, I think we can survive outside. And then Chris Evans is like, yeah, I don't really care. I was like, damn it. I want to hear every word that guy was going to say about this. Because he clearly knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Like he's, he, he, you know, we should talk about the ending. Yeah. I I thought it was going to fade to black as soon as the, as soon as the, the The, train derailed. Like I, like it goes black for a minute and I thought that was going to be it. And I was like. Damn, like yeah. that was dark. Like, like we literally just witnessed the last of humanity dead. Like, yeah. and um, I still would have liked that ending. I, I don't, you know, I like the ending we got though. I like the, I like that there's a bit of hope at the end. It reminds me of a uh, like a Carpenter movie where there's there's always like a mm-hmm. there's always some like, most most of what's going on there's is horrific and terrible. The lives there's on. a small glimmer, you know, and I like that. Yeah. So. No, I agree. I agree. Um, there was. <laughs> I'm not sure if the movie maybe explored maybe the environmental themes that it was because there's a shot of a polar bear at the end, like mm. a lingering shot of a polar bear, 
and I didn't maybe maybe it just didn't connect with me. I think the real point of that is just to show life is able to exist. Right. Okay. Okay. Good still. point. Good point. I don't. I don't think that was so much. I thought a, I maybe read into think, it. A little think of the animals, but no. Like somehow a polar bear survived the the, apocalypse. the snow apocalypse. Like. So I think I think that was more or less just like a, these people that just made it off of this train aren't just going to die immediately. Got it. That makes way more sense. Okay. Yeah. As Doctor Ian Malcolm would say, "Life found a way." I think. Yeah. I I think the the general like I don't even think this movie goes near like the weather thing. Like it basically like the, no, it does. It right seems... off the top, it's like global warming exists, which it's actually climate change, but we're not going to get into that. So they say global warming exists, and they're like, "We tried to do something to fix it, and we failed." That's kind of all it says about and that's, environmental. And honestly, things. let's be honest. If this was Elysium, that would have been the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did we do this? Yeah, basically. You know, like, uh, I'm sorry. Clearly meant, like, yeah. If yeah. this was, like, the... They would have dwelled was, on that. If for... this was paid for by, like, conservatives, which, number one, they would never support a Korean film. But if this was paid for by conservatives, they would have the just been, The views of like, Alex Merrill do not express... Look at, look at what we, we tried to fix things, but humans can't do anything, and that's the reason why we're not the fault of global warming at all. <laughs> and yes, all of those words, that's verbatim out of the... No, but... It's... That's no. that's what the movie could have been if it was if it was no it could have been yeah and right. and, and on and on the flip side it also could have been like I said like the, some sort of weird like bleeding heart like why are the polar bears dead yeah. what, you know like it could have been so super super I guess super. yeah I read a little too much into it it just was fun. they used a polar bear to show them but I guess there sure. wasn't really much other choice yeah but yeah like it wasn't gonna be like a leopard or anything <laughs> realistically the polar bear would probably be the one thing that's still wandering around yeah snake so. It's a snake. snake just slithering around. Yeah, really hit on that Adam and Eve theme. And it turns, yeah, it turns into Noah somehow. Oh, leading to Noah. Oh my God, Russell Crowe just wanders out riding the polar bear. <laughs> Another movie where there's almost a dead baby in it. Very true. true. Post-apocalyptic movies with dead babies are the, all, all the rage this year. Um, wow. Yeah, no, it's it, this is a fantastic movie. I could talk about it for another hour, but I, you know, it's it's almost hard because there's so much going on and there's so much that happens. I mean. Uh, we went with Alex and I went with my fiance and she mm-hmm. left to use the restroom for like five minutes yeah. and she came back and like half the cast was gone. Yeah. Everybody was dead. <laughs> and she's, I was, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I thought this was going to be a good spot to leave. I'm like, I, I don't think there is a good spot to leave in this movie. <laughs> no. I, I'm not sure there is. Cause there's, I left once and I messed something and I can't remember. Okay. Hmm. There's always something going on. Maybe explain on, the polar but... bear part. <laughs> You're going to yeah. see a polar bear later. That was the part where the, she's like, Oh, see the polar bears out there. <laughs> Boy, I wish we hadn't killed them. Yeah, that was that was kind of what, like I said to Willie, I was like, I wonder what uh, Nam saw out the window that he was going to say to Chris Evans, and I think it like it could have been like, oh, I saw a polar bear. Yeah, yeah like there's something cool. living out there. Right. It would have been very interesting to hear what he had to say. Yeah. But uh, you want that door to open so bad too. I mean, you. It's weird because you're torn between what Nam, what's going on with Nam and Curtis, because Curtis wants that door open so bad, and you know that it's not worth it. Yeah. Whatever he finds on the other side of that door is not going to be worth this struggle yeah but you just like the man in you is just like kill that son of a bitch you know I don't know it's it's fun it's fun to have those internal struggles so. yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's tons more to tons talk more about. to talk about I wouldn't be surprised if we like tried to revisit this again when it comes out I would not be against that yeah on audio maybe you guys maybe Nick should go see Snowpiercer and you review it again in two weeks <laughs> yeah that'll be a retro review <laughs> yeah. retro review of Snowpiercer uh. in case you guys didn't like the last one um yeah no it's a it's a great movie. Very cool. All right. Well, um, that does it for our review of Snowpiercer. All right. We are back with some feedback for y'all. 
for y'all. Y'all. Uh, <laughs> we are. We received some more feedback from Yoop. Our, from our, the Netherlands. Our glorious friend from the Netherlands. Thank you, Yoop, for the feedback. Uh, Yoop had fine things to say about us. <laughs> Wonderful gentleman. But also had a question for us. Uh, fun question to discuss. What is your scariest movie that you have ever seen and why? Tim, you're a horror connoisseur. I am. A, mine's pretty... But is it a horror film that's the scariest? <laughs> no, it is. It is. And it's a pretty, pretty well-known one, so it's kind of... Okay. Well, that's okay. When I... Um, I remember watching The Exorcist, like mm. when I was younger, and I watched it alone in my parents' house in the dark. I was raised Catholic too, which plays into this. Oh boy! So there are a lot of. But what got me wasn't so much the Exorcist scenes, but it's the subliminal flashing of the demon faces. I don't know if you remember this. Freaked me out. Yeah. Like kept thinking. Like couldn't fall asleep because I was like, if I fall asleep, like I'm gonna get a flash of a pale white face demon but you didn't you literally were afraid to close your eyes you, yeah yeah, yeah so That's scary and like i'm just like oh my god i gotta turn all the lights on because there's gonna be a demon face behind me and this was like two weeks ago so, <laughs> so <laughs> no um so probably the exorcist and i remember watching the first the original halloween same thing i don't think i like pale white faces because it's the same idea. There's a couple of shots that are just pure darkness, and then you see Michael Myers' face come out of the shadows. And it's just completely pale. I don't like that. And so those are the two that stick stick out in my head. And then nothing else. I'm not scared of anything. I, <laughs> all right, Alex, go ahead. Uh, my my Probably the scariest, like, scary movie that I've seen, to me, it's probably not true anymore, but at, at the age of 12, I was just the right age for, for The Ring to really be creepy enough for me to, like get into my head and i like i've said before like after seeing the ring i never wanted to have the static on the tv ever again um so definitely that i'm also known for not wanting to watch to, for being terrified of movies just because of the stories that surround them uh i probably will never sit through uh the wizard of oz again because of the hanging munchkin story <laughs> that's terrifying and i'm it's not true I'm, alex i'm never gonna watch poltergeist never Never in my life, never ever. Like I can't read through the Wikipedia article about all the weird shit that happened around Poltergeist because it terrifies me that much. No, dude, you I need know, to watch I know it's not that scary, but no, no. it's a great movie though. No, <laughs> Toby, Hooper, no, nah. it's good. no, okay. Coach, yeah, <laughs> watch Coach. Frankie Nelson won't protect you. And then no, say I, you watch. Poltergeist. I, 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 I will watch the movie at some point, but it's just it's one of those things. Like I can read no, the I Wikipedia article about that, and, and like in the middle of the day, with the when, like I can be sitting in the sun and just be terrified of what I'm reading on the Wikipedia article because of all the strange things that happen to people that have worked on any Poltergeist movie. It's just creepy. It is it, it, that it, the, the whole thing. There's some. There's some with the omen too that happened that yeah. was very spooky. Um, I was laughing during Tim's because I'm literally sitting here thinking of my scariest movies. I thought of three movies right out of the gate. The first one I was like The Exorcist, and then Tim said it, and I was like, "Shh." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, all right, well, it's a good thing that I had Halloween as my backup." And then Tim's like Halloween, and I had I was, I'm, I'm terrified of Halloween for the exact same reason Tim is. It's that damn white mask that literally. Just out somewhere outside, like like just outside the frame, it'll show up in in a scene that's not sh shouldn't be scary. It, um, and then the Exorcist. My thing with that was always I thought I was going to open the. I, I watched it by myself at my parents' house when I was a kid, right. and I I, th I always thought I was going to open my bedroom door to go into sleep, and she was going to be chained to the bed, mm. and that freaked me <laughs> out. Like I had this visual of that happening. Yep. Um, but I will go with another one because of those. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. That's the third movie that really freaked oh. me out. Um, and it freaked me out because I had never seen a black and white movie before this. 
Um, I was, this was the first time I had ever been home alone watching my little brother. He had gone to bed. I was supposed to be in bed. <laughs> I never went to bed half the time when my parents were actually home. <laughs> um, so I, there was an old VHS copy of the Night of the Living Dead. It was kind of a crappy VHS copy. So it was kind of staticky and gross, like, which, which added to it. Turn the volume way up. And I swear to you, they cut back to this shot in that movie of zombies walking from a, like a shed or something to the house. And I swear I kept hearing noises outside and I peek out the window and I swear to you, I saw him like coming towards my, like, like it just something in my brain made me feel like I was going to look out the window and they were going to be like, totally. And, uh, that was the first, I'm a huge zombie movie fan. And I'm proud to say that I was a zombie movie fan long before it became cool to like zombie stuff. And I will stick by that. And that was my first zombie movie experience. And it was it will forever haunt me. So those scenes of them creeping up still creep me out. So, yeah. Yeah. One of those three movies. Pick or choose. Me and Tim. Same brain. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that does it for our feedback. Well, we got no, one other we, feedback. We got one more. That's right. Yeah, That's we did right. get some feedback from Nancy once again. And, and she did say some very, very nice things. I didn't want to not bring it up because I want to encourage people to write to us feedback at Midwest Film Nerds. We love to read what you have to say, even if it's not necessarily something to discuss. But we always like to hear how awesome we are. And it really makes, like, for me, I am I can get tired of doing the podcast on weeks when we don't hear from you guys. Mm. Because, but then any word of encouragement, like even if you just send a tweet or something like that, then I'm like, somebody's listening. And that's just, it's comforting to know that we're putting this out here and that at least somebody's listening to it. So please, any opportunity you have, write us, uh, tweet us, uh, call us 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. We'd love to hear from you. Alex already started covering a bit of feedback, but if you do want to get a hold of us, please, it's very encouraged. Um, there are multiple ways you can get a hold of us. You can get talk to us on Twitter. Um, it's at MFN Podcast or on Instagram at MFN Podcast. Um, MidwestFilmNerds.com, you can get a hold of us through our uh, email on that site, which is feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. There you can see all of our past, or listen to all of our past episodes. You can have show notes so you can skip ahead and not listen to us ramble on about things you don't want to hear about. Um, or you can do that anyway because we're awesome all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and we also have Facebook, facebook.com slash Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. So, yeah, please, please feel free to get a hold of us and talk to us and send us awesome feedback. Yes. Yes. Um, that's all we have for this week. Thanks, guys. Alex, we're going to miss you. I'll miss you guys as well. Uh, arigato. I, I'm, I will hopefully be listening at least to... Uh, I'll, I'll probably listen to the what we've been watching, but I won't touch any of the movie parts. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. That's scarier now. I have, I have huge shoes to fill. <laughs> um, but yes, we will miss you dearly. Please come back to us safe. I will. Um, your beard will be, will be missed. Um, thank you to Mr. John on Twitter for music and artwork, a fellow Morel, um, yes. who will be stepping in hopefully and, and, yes. and you'll hear more of him. Um, yeah, that's all we got. Kyle XY, go watch a movie. <laughs>